the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Buckle up and settle in for a full hour of automotive mayhem with the real car guy, master technician, Mark Salem, where the only two things we can't fix is a broken heart and the crack of dawn. To talk to Mark, call 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Now, once again, here's Mark. Four minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock for the second hour of our show, we're talking about car, car repair, car problems. What should I do about this? My husband and I disagree about this. What weight oil do you put in your wife's car? Does your wife change your own oil? All that kind of stuff. 602-508-0960. 602-508-0960. And if you're outside the Phoenix metropolitan area, 888-960. 96 96 and you can get right in like everybody else blackwell automotives up at 40th and greenway i've known tom for many many years in that northeast area of the valley the north scottsdale area all the way up to 101 and when it goes west all that area is tom's he can handle that area it's difficult to find a shop in that area because one of the things i need is some long-term business skills and sometimes what happens is you get a shop up in a particular area of town that's bought and sold numerous times and nobody has five years of experience. Well, Tom does. So if you're up in that northeast area, Blackwell Automotive is a mighty good place to go. Nick, thank you for holding. How can I help you? Good morning. Uh, I have an intermittent service engine soon light on a 01 Super Duty with a 7.3. Okay, you want to sell that and real quick? A what? You want to sell that <laughs> real quick? <laughs> uh, well, not not this minute, but anyway. Uh, so uh, so starting it up, it there's no service engine soon light drive. But once it as I'm driving, it kind of comes on, and then later it goes off. And I put my scan tool on it. There's no codes, and then I also did it put set the scan tool so I can monitor the engine functions. I can't. I just can't find the problem. It just comes on and off whenever it wants to. And well, in in the days your truck was made, the service service engine soon light was checked by the check engine light and all that kind of stuff. And and we have all these different things. And yours is a seven three, so it's a diesel. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I I don't think. I know that in the in the old days, we're talking about the old days, that we could get an intermittent problem that wouldn't be captured by the computer on board or the scanner by driving it around. The scanner yeah. that we normally have it allows us to look at serial stream data, so it's going to give us numbers that you have to understand. Your scanner is just right. probably not going to do that. It's not going to show mass airflow, and it's not going to show fuel pressure and all that other stuff. So I'm not well, quite sure. show a lot of that stuff. It does show a lot of that stuff, but I don't understand what a lot of it is. So I don't, uh, you know, I'm just mostly looking for codes. 
Yeah, and and the code just tells you that the computer sees the air. This area of the truck is deficient, but the code doesn't mean if you have an oxygen sensor code. I want to tell you, ninety nine times out of a hundred, when you have an oxygen sensor code, are you actually going to replace the oxygen sensor? The oxygen yeah, sensor, <laughs> it's it's it's, and you don't have those. So I I think what I would do. What part of town do you live in? Uh, Peoria. Okay, I'd probably go talk to Nate, or just call Nate over at Strictly Diesel. Tell him you got a seven three, you yeah. got an intermittent one, and ask him if there is a pattern failure you should look for. Now, I would like it if you called me and I and you said, by the way, I've got an extended crank when it's hot, or I've got an extended crank when it's cold that doesn't appear, reappear till the next morning. If you could give him any additional information of of changes of habit. That might be something, but this is not something that on one to ten scale. This ain't a ten. This isn't a ten. This is a four or a five to track this down. But more important, yeah. until the light comes on and stays on, you have that option. So if you're not pumping, you know, black smoke out the tailpipe. If you're not pumping white smoke out the tailpipe. If the thing starts cold, starts warm, accelerates hard, goes sixty, seventy, eighty miles an hour, pulls the trailer with the horses in it. Really and truly, you have two choices. You can start looking around for something to replace, or you can just wait till it gets worse and easier to find. Yeah, that's it. Well, all those things you mentioned are all normal. Uh, um, you know, I, I mean, there's no smoke, and it starts the same all the time. And and I was thinking maybe maybe the temperature might be going up, and I watched the temperature gauge, and it looks fine. So okay. I don't know. I, I'm I'm at a loss to figure okay. out what's what's wrong with it. Well, and, and so when the temperature, I want your temperature gauge to be in the half range of the temperature, um, maybe a little low, a little high. Are we there? Yeah, it's a little lower. It's a little lower than that. Stays okay, there. fair. Good, good. Those are the kinds of things that we want. We don't want to run that diesel cold. And as a matter of fact, I, I like it when mine's over the halfway mark because I know that I'm boiling <laughs> the water out of the engine that my wife puts in when she puts around town because she takes my truck because it holds more junk than her car does. So, yeah. so, and, and you and I are probably the same, same age and, um, I'm sure your right foot's a little heavier than the normal person's. And so every once in a while that seven, three will stand up on its hind legs and rear its front tires off the ground and you'll take off like crazy. <laughs> and usually to show some yeah. little kid in a Honda four cylinder next door to you at the red light that, uh, his little bitty ring, ring, ring is nothing compared to the horses you got underneath the hood of that big dog. So now yeah, that I've I actually just... enjoy I actually enjoy gassing them out with a little diesel smell too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well we've gotten enough trouble already, Tom. But I touch base with Nate not on a Monday morning or a Friday afternoon, but call Nate. Said Mark okay. Salem might says you might have a comment on this. He's going to ask you the same thing I did. That seven three is worth a hell of a lot of money. That truck could easily bring as much as you paid for it brand new. Yeah, it's a monster. <laughs> that that seven three is one of the first, and it's the best. And everybody knows that that is a that is a mountain moving engine in your Ford. Which oh yeah. So, okay, Bob. Good luck to you. Thank you very much, Nick. You're up next. How can I help you? Oh, that was Nick, wasn't it? Oh, Nick, that was a seven three D. So okay, and we got Gary next. I'm sorry, Gary. Okay. Kevin, okay, boy, they're just really... Kevin, good morning, buddy. How can I help you? Yeah, good morning. Good to talk to you. I have to listen to you all these years. Thank you. I have you. a quick question for you. you know, I've heard you and your son, Alan, talk about the camshaft lifter problem on the GM V8s. Uh, 
mostly pertaining to the truck engine or the truck uh, side. Does that pertain to the Camaro and Corvette also? We, I want you to call an Allen and ask him that, but it's been a long time since I that they had the hood of a of a Camaro and stuff. And and actually, we have a six liter in one of our Camaros and and mm-hmm. stuff. And so we're, con- but it's it's also the variable valve timing stuff. And so that's not likely to be in the older model cars because we didn't have it back then, where we didn't have cylinder select and stuff like that. Yeah. But that that's a question that he I you. You call and you you say um, and don't do it on Monday morning or Friday afternoons. But you call and ask for Alan, and then just say your dad said that you won't know the answer to this. But are these two cars I have these two engine combinations I have related to that camshaft lifter concern? Yeah, yeah I was uh, speculating or whether to buy a new Camaro or uh, one last toy you know, after I retired here. And I wasn't sure if that would be a good a good move or not. I've listened to the uh, your talk in the past about that lifter cam problem. So, yeah, I will do that then. Thank you very much, Mark. I, you're, you're more than welcome. You're more than welcome. Okay, 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960, and I'm going to put down T.O.T. Allen. The, the, the lifter problem, the camshaft problem, is a well-known problem on the high-performance engines for GM, including in police cars and Tahoes and stuff like that. The problem is, is we don't know, someone does know, but we don't know, the industry doesn't know, whether the lifters are damaging the camshaft or the camshaft is damaging the lifters, but it doesn't really make any difference because by the time we start getting all kinds of engine codes and flashing lights and engine rubblings and rough idle, then we take it apart and we've got a damaged lifter, a damaged cam, and a damaged lifter. So we see that kind of thing going on. Uh, originally it was oil, and then it was this, and then you used Valvoline instead of Pennzoil, and now you should have used Pennzoil instead of Chevron, and all that stuff goes on and on and on, because it's all from that guy in New Hampshire in a federal prison that has a computer who starts all this yapping about something he doesn't know anything about. 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960, and Gil, we have a caller. Who might that be? Yes, it's Gary. He's back. Gary, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I just have a question and maybe need an education. Uh, I'm going to be towing a U-Haul trailer a couple of thousand miles, leaving Arizona, so I'm going to be going up and down the hills. And I read about towing capacity. It doesn't mean much to me, but I'm planning on towing uh, probably the mid-sized trailer that U-Haul has. Uh, I don't know uh, transmission, I assume. Well, any questions about transmission, and do I let it shift itself going up and down hills, or uh, do I paddle shift it, or any, anything I should be aware of that I shouldn't do if I'm pulling a load? Okay. Well, the very first thing you have to do is, is look in your owner's manual and find GCWR, Gross Combined Weight Rating. Now, okay. when, you go to, you, when you go to U-Haul, you tell them, do the math in front of me, young man. They're they're okay. they're gonna they're gonna do that pretty good. Uh, my truck has the ability to carry six thousand pounds loaded, and that's full of fuel. All my buddies and all their girlfriends and all of our beer six thousand, and it's got a gross combined weight of uh, thirteen thousand. So that means you got a seven thousand pound trailer grossed. That's the trailer plus its load plus the truck and all the girls in the load, and that's twelve thousand pounds. And you got thirteen on a gross weight, a gross combined. So you have to do the math. U-Haul will do that for you. As far as your transmission is concerned, you can do either one. I would suggest that you forget the shifter and just let your throttle 
do the action. So as you start climbing up a hill and you're hauling your trailer and you start losing a little speed, you're going to go deeper into the throttle, and pretty soon the computer's going to be looking at all the flow charts and going, in order to maintain some horsepower and torque on this thing, I'm going to have to drop a gear. And it drops a gear by itself. Now, if you want to hold that position, then manually move your selector to hold that position. It's probably going to go out of overdrive first or, or lockup first, and then it'll go into your one, two, three, four, five, or whatever you've got. But I like it when I can, my foot will put me in a gear, and then I'll use the shift selector to hold that gear. So the minute I come up on a slow car, I back off the throttle, the son of a gun up shifts on me. Now I'm losing speed. I want to pass somebody, blah, 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 and all of a sudden I've got a problem. So that's why I like to manually control it at the appropriate times. But if no one's in front of you, then you just put your throttle where you want it, put your speed where you want it, and just use your throttle to do that. The computer will do a better job to shift it, and if you need to get aggressive, just remember, just stuff that thing to the floor, and um, and the computer will pick which gear is appropriate for the grade, the load, and the demand. So the answer is, is you can do it either way. I do it like I described it. Once I get to where I'm at, I just pull the shifter down and leave it there. Okay, well, thank you. I kind of suspected to leave the, leave it alone, but I've, you know, I've been up and down the mountains and in Arizona all the time or before, and it just does it seamlessly with, without any feeling, but with a load behind it. Uh, I understand what you're saying, and thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And and that's it. That is the answer. It's either way is going to be okay for the car you're driving. Either way is going to be okay. The load will, the computer will know the load, and, and it will make the appropriate decisions for you, unless you want to be more aggressive, and then I told you how to do that. 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. There's five lines open, so you're going to get one if you call. 602-508-0960. One real Hello, qu- I'm Greg May, owner of Phoenix Body Works. For 35 years, we've been demonstrating our workmanship, our honesty, our integrity, and our exceptional customer service. We are blessed to have so many repeat customers who refer their friends and family. We have ethical, loyal technicians who have been with us for years. They are ICAR certified, which means they are up to date on the latest technology and techniques. So your repairs meet or exceed industry standards. Our technicians are truly part of our family. We are very capable of fixing your car. We pull off damaged parts. We pull your frame and body mounts back to where they should be. Then we install the new parts. We align both the front and rear end. Then your car is back to the way it was when new. Our customers come from all over the valley. I'm Greg May. Remember, it's your vehicle. You pick the shop, not the insurance company. Phoenix Body Works. We want to be your collision repair specialist. Call us, 623-582-1434, Monday through Friday, 9 to noon on Saturday. Hi, break time? I know you. I'm Cologuard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. It seems like you take care of yourself. I do. I play tennis. I try to eat well. What about screening for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. Colon cancer is more treatable when it's caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and is used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. 
Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you. Or visit requestcologuard.com. I'm on it. Excellent. So when you take your car into a shop and you want to talk to them, I'm telling you that most of us, the last thing we want to hear is what the guy at Google said. We don't want to know what they What we want our customer to do is stand in front of us, year make and model. I've owned the car since it was new. It's got 110,000 miles on it. This is what's going on. When I do 62 miles an hour and throttle gently, it shudders. Then if I let go of the throttle, then it shudder goes away. If I go harder on the throttle, there is no shudder. That's what we want. We don't want Google telling us how to fix your car because we're not going to fix your car based on what some guy said on Google. We need you to tell us. So Phil at Automatic Transmission Exchange says that is an issue with transmissions because people will Google their car and then they'll put transmission problem. Then they'll have all kinds of transmission problems when in reality they had a bad tire. So the bad tire caused the vibration that somebody put my car, my year making model, bad vibration, and, and I think it's the transmission, and boom, we're in the transmission never, never land. And all it was was a bad tire. So let's forget all that transmission never, never land. And when you go into fields, just say, car's outside, take it, can you take it for a drive? And I can duplicate the problem because that's what we want. Automatic Transmission Exchange, 40th Street in Washington. Let's go to Don. Don, good morning. Hey, Mark. Hey. Uh, daughter's got a 2010 Highlander. With, uh, it's limited with all the fancy dash. She just Last night she says, my air conditioning is blowing, but it's not blowing hard. So I got out there and it's blowing on like speed three. Okay. She just called me back. She says, I got... She's on her way to get her haircut. She says it's blowing like gangbusters, and she just now called me back again. Says it's it's intermittent. Is that got a rheostat in it, or is it just you a know, bad motor like what the old GMs used to? Well, normally we 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 run we yes we we're going to have some kind of rheostat because we're going to apply twelve volts or thirteen volts to the blower, but the rheostat's going to to reduce that voltage to give us fan speed 1, 2, and 3, but then we're going to bypass the rheostat and just run direct battery ba power to the fan on on number 4. So the rheostat is kind of like, for other people, Don, not you, but for everybody else, it's kind of like the gas valve on your gas stove. If you open it up all the way, you got a nice big blue flame. If you close it down, it looks like somebody just lit a paper match. That's kind of how it is. In your particular case, the first thing I'd start doing is start playing with the knobs. Start kind of manually manipulating them, kind of roughhousing them without breaking anything, and tell her to hang her hat on speed one, two, or three, and leave four alone, or put it on four all the time. But we need to know which side of that circuit we're going to work on. If she says, hey, Dad, one, two, and three, they work pretty good. The problem is really when I go to high, and intermittently it's low, and intermittently it's high. But depending on the mileage, Don, it could be a blower motor itself. If there's any noise with the blower motor when it's first started up or after it's been running a while, then that noise is unacceptable and, and it might be a blower motor. But then again, Don, I know that you bake um, 
birthday cakes at bashes, so I'm I'm probably talking over your head. No, you're not, because <laughs> it's all computerized, and I'm going, it's out of my league for sure, because I'm, you know, I'm old-fashioned. Yeah. It's like my tow truck. It's got all manual stuff. I, and and I, I agree. Don't let the electronics, we're still using a fan switch, and we're going to use two different circuits on the on the wiring schematic. So one, two, and three goes this way, and four goes right from the battery to the blower. So it's going to be the same. Almost always the switch is the problem. It's not the computer circuitry. It's none of that. It's probably going to be the switch depending on how many miles and how many times that she spilled her beer on the knobs of the radio or the air conditioning. So replace the motor, yes? Yes, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, and you know what? You know that shop on Warner? Just take it over there and just tell them to replace the motor. That's that's a good idea. Okay, all right. Thank you, Don. Thank you very much, Terry. You're up next. How can I help you? Actually, Terry dropped, so let's go to the next caller in your rotation. Okay, we got David. David, good morning. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for asking. Um, I hope you can help me with this question. Um, it's probably going to be more of a, a body shop question, possibly. Okay. Uh, I On my mid-70s Pontiac, they use, like, these roof rail uh, rails. It's like a two-piece. And when I had my car painted, I took them out uh, because the rubber seals were bad anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm putting them back in. Okay. And now I'm running into the problem with the seals, um, these aftermarket seals, where when I roll up my power window, it gets caught on the rubber on the, the kind of like the door uh, channel. Mm-hmm. And it keeps getting caught, and, I, and the window won't roll up. And, uh, Ma- manual or electric? Your power. Okay, okay. So you're talking about the weather stripping in the square window or area, right? Yeah, and there's like a, a bigger channel that goes over the window, and then kind of on the back side, there's a smaller channel where the roof, where the seal will go in, and it'll um, okay. where it kind of like the, the beveled edge of the window face wait across. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. N- none of that's making sense to me and anybody else. Let me ask you a couple questions. Is it a two door or a four door? Two door. And is it a rear quarter window? Well, yeah, the, that rail butts up to that quarter window. Okay, okay. Um, there's a couple of things that you could probably do. All of that stuff is adjustable once you get the door panel off of it. So you should be able to center up the window. And sometimes it's just a memory issue. So you have brand new weather strip. And you're having a tough time getting the window to hit the middle of the weather strip. And sometimes it's just a matter of rolling up the window and leaving it there until we have a couple of cold and warm days. So, But any window facility and any body shop can probably fix this and adjust it for you or at least explain to you how to do it. Um, and the body shop that I'd probably call would probably call Heather up at Phoenix Body Works and ask her if one of her guys would look at it real quick. You can quickly demonstrate the problem and ask them two questions. Is this something I can fix? And if not, how much would you charge me to realign and rearrange this? That's what I would do. Okay. Um, cause the other two thing I noticed, too, about it is the window. I mean, I know you can adjust kind of the window. with. Um, they kind of have these... Um, 
metal adjusters where they have felt on them, but over time the felt goes away. But it's still, the window has a lot of, like, slop in it. Okay. Well, that's what I'm saying is the the door panel has to come off, and there's some adjustments in there for the the scissor lift. So the window regulator is just a big pair of scissors. And um, mm-hmm. each all four corners have to be in the right position to raise and lower the window. So somebody who does auto glass is somebody that can do that. I probably wouldn't. I'd probably look for the gray-haired guy because a lot of the kids today really know Hondas and Toyotas real well and Subarus and stuff. But when it comes to to readjusting a General Motors or a Ford or a Chrysler back windows in a '70s car is probably not going to be on their dinner plate. Okay. So what part of town do you live in? Uh, I'm in Prescott Valley, um, but we've had our car repaired at Phoenix Body Works before, and they, they did a really good job on it, so okay. I, I shoot I probably won't up calling them. And, and that's how you started. Thank you for bringing that up. Hi, I am a customer of yours. I was happy with the last repair you did. I have this 70s da-da-da, and I've got a problem. I would like you, can I buy 15 minutes of your time? Could you just look at it and give me advice or give me an estimate for the adjustment? That's how I'd start it. Because, first of all, I'm a customer. Ooh. Second of all, you're asking me to do something, and I'm thinking to myself, on a 1 to 10 scale, this could be about a number 2 conversation. This ain't going to be real in-depth. And Jason over there, who's got gray hair growing out of his ears, is probably can put this together in just maybe 20 minutes. So, yeah, bring it on in. Let me take a look at it. So that's how I would handle it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good luck to you, uh, David. That's a, that's a great question in a 70 Pontiac. That's a, that's something that I admire, especially if it's like a GTO or something like that, or a Le Mans. That's good enough. Anyway, 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. Dennis, you'll be my next caller. And anybody else, we have four lines open, 602-508-0960. My email address is Mark at MarkSalem.com, Mark at MarkSalem.com. If you have a question or a comment, you're welcome to leave it there. I would appreciate it if you'd leave your phone number there because sometimes I want to talk to you and I don't want to type for the rest of my life. So if you could just give me your phone number and tell me what time's a good time to call, you know, after lunch or something, that would be great. 602-508-0960. Did you know Raintree Auto Repair is ranked number one in the entire United States by Mercedes-Benz for their repairs? Andy Val, the dad, and his sons, Tom and Paul, operate Raintree Auto Body in North Scottsdale. They've been around since 1972. Sure, they fix Kias and Hondas and Chevys and Fords, but they are rated the best for their ability to correctly repair the Mercedes-Benz. Remember, Raintree Auto Repair is ranked number one in the entire United States by Mercedes-Benz for their repairs. They have a machine called the Select Bench. It's the same jig they assemble your car on. Raintree can put your car back to its pre-loss condition with 100% accuracy. Raintree Auto Repair is a BBB member with a plus rating. Raintree Auto Repair provides free estimates, and they'll give you a lifetime warranty on all paint and bodywork. They use the best glasserate paint, and it's waterborne paint, so it has no environmental effect. For more information, stop by RaintreeAutoBodyInc.com. The situation at our border is hitting critical levels, and our leadership is failing. The idea that Joe Biden said, come, you're coming because they know I'm a nice guy. Well, here's the deal. They're not. Mm. 
So 960 The Patriot and Mike Gallagher are headed to the border because we know who isn't. Do you have plans to visit the border? Uh, um, not today. <laughs> 960 The Patriot and Guns Etc. present Crisis at the Border and the Progressive Assault on America. Mike Gallagher, Seth Liebson, and Congressman Andy Biggs are headed to the border on a guided tour to get a first-hand look at what our country's leadership won't do. Then you can join us May 25th as Mike, Seth, and Congressman Biggs tackle the tough questions and issues surrounding the border and our country with first-hand accounts. Get tickets today at 960 The Patriot. Patriot.com. Limited seating, so don't wait. Crisis at the border and the progressive assault on America at 960thepatriot.com. Sponsored by Guns Etc. They knock us down. We get stronger. They try to silence us, but our voice just got louder. The new wave is coming. We've succeeded. People just don't want to recognize it because it challenges their narrative. It challenges their assumption. So they got to try to find a boogeyman. Brace socialism. They think it's great. If you want to go outside and celebrate Joe Biden, if you want to kick around a pillowed effigy of Donald J. Trump, that's perfectly safe. The tech overlords censoring our speech, right? I call this diet fascism. They say, you can't see this. You can't see this. We're doing it to protect you. It's for it's for your safety. Speaker Pelosi was holding the American people hostage for political gain. This was never about what was best for the American people, never about honest policy disagreement. It was about preventing President Trump from getting any credit. It was about politics. Candace, DeSantis, Crenshaw. Really, the conservative voice has never been stronger. 960 The Patriot, a voice that speaks for you. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Well, 34 minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock. My name is Mark Salem. Every Saturday we're here from 10 to noon, Arizona time, talking about cars and car repair questions and stuff like that. But, you know, there's all kinds of stuff on talk radio, right? And I am a professional financier, okay? Let me tell you how to make money, okay? This is simple. This is the way my dad taught me, okay? First of all, you pay off your house. You pay off your house as fast as you can. That way you have between one and $2,000 a month that's in your pocket and not anywhere else. Then you pay off all your cars. <laughs> and when you get done with paying off all your cars, then you got another 1000 or $2,000 in your pocket. Now all of a sudden you have $4,000 a month in your pocket and that's what personal wealth is all about. You don't have any car payments and you don't have any house payments. That's what you do. So if you get a house when you're 20, at 40, you should be able to have everything pretty much all paid off. And that's what 
what it's all about. Then you can invest it with those guys that are going to tell you how to spend your money with them and make a whole lot of money. But in reality, if you just pay the hell everything off, you'll have a whole lot more money of your own. How's that? I cross over and I digress. I don't do any other things other than car repair. 602-508-0960. Larry Harker's Auto Service is at... um, 38th Avenue and Indian School, and he's been around a long time since 1967. Bob and Ellen run Larry Harker's Auto, and they've they they've been together and working in car repair for their entire married lives. So if you live anywhere near 38th Avenue and Indian School, I would strongly suggest that you try them for something simple so that you could introduce yourself to them. But I'm quite sure that they will provide service to you that very few other people can. I'm telling you, in the top 50 shops in town, they are one of the top 50. And I've even sent cars to them that I couldn't, my shop couldn't fix that they did. So they are there, very, very good. Larry Harker's Auto, 38th Avenue and Indian School. Dennis, how can I help you today? Well, nice talking with you, Ken. I have a 03 Dodge, one time, um, Cummings. Okay. Okay, I have a, in the last uh, couple of months, I've noticed I haven't been driving it much. It sits for three days, it runs the battery down. Well, of course, I went and got the battery checked, and they replaced it. It still does that very same thing. When it's off and shut down completely, I can take and wiggle, I wiggle the, uh, the it doesn't matter, the negative side off, and I get a slight arc. It's not, I mean, it's not a snap arc. It's, I know that you know, there's, there's, a, there's a spark there. So it appears to me that it is drawing current. And with a meter, it showed me it was drawing some sort of current when it was shut off. <laughs> okay. It, they all do that. I mean, every okay. car in the world does that. There's going to be a okay. keep alive something in there but you're you're going about this on the t- you're looking at the tail end of the horse and when you really ought to be looking in your throat so you're, okay. you're just at the wrong end an electric systems check is this is a diesel yes diesel yeah doesn't it have two batteries it did i took the one out i i, I don't need it in arizona i needed it back east <laughs> okay you know, get it i've never had anybody back. do that before but um i I, I can tell you, um, I own quite a few Dodge trucks, and my son owns, and we work on Dodge every day long, all day long. Yeah. I, I'm not quite sure that, that that's... What did you do with those cables? Those cables, I just dead-ended them at the other end, and it doesn't pop the relay anymore. You know, okay. to switch it over to, right. uh, you know, draw on the auxiliary oh. battery. I did okay. that when it was virtually new, um, okay. 20 years ago. Okay, I, I I just your electrical system is 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 way out of normal, and yeah. and um and and I I I would tell you that I think that you're looking at the wrong end of the horse, and I would okay. tell you that that most of us charge something somewhere between thirty and fifty dollars for what we call an electrical systems analysis, so we're going to yeah. charge both batteries and we're going to check both batteries and then we're going to check the amp draw when the key is in your pocket with with and we're not going to disconnect cables and look for spark we're going to use inductive amp probes 
and we're okay. going to know what the volt drop is, and then we're going to start. We're going to know that the battery voltage is 12.9, and then we're going to start it up, and it better go up to 13.9, mm-hmm. and then we better start out at about 10 amps, and then we should be able to clock that baby up to about 50, 60 amps if we left the headlights on for about 10 minutes before we started it up. So there's a very sophisticated way to do all of that. And until you do all of that, you skipped over the battery pretty quick, and you don't have the ability to check the battery. So do you know what the battery voltage is when it's in cranking mode? What is the battery voltage when it's in cranking mode? I I don't have the exact battery voltage. I'm using the gauge as a norm. Okay, yeah. Okay, and after it sits, for three or four days, that voltage is low. That takes a long time for my amp gauge to come up okay. to the 14 that it normally sits on. Okay, well, because 14 it, is fine. It, no, it, the amp gauge isn't going to be 14. I think that you're talking about the volt gauge because it's 12 to 14. But but nevertheless, we don't fix cars looking at the dash gauge. We use fa- car, we use equipment that we use underneath the hood. Um, I would strongly suggest that you do something with you know thirty to fifty dollars and just have somebody charge and test the battery, test the alternator operation both at idle and at wide op- or with high RPM. Check the alternator, the regulator. Check it for shorts and draws and all that other kind of stuff. But nine out of ten times when I hear this story, it's the battery that's the problem. So unless somebody had the ability to test the battery with the proper load to duplicate the Cummins cranking over, then you're still um, chasing your tail. That's the best I can do, Dennis. You you really need to take it to somebody that has the equipment necessary to check it out because the old spark on the cable, we stopped doing that in 1947. That's not anything scientific at all. So we, we, we didn't know it then, but we do know it now that that spark, when you touch the negative to the terminal, that's okay. Um, and, and, and that's nothing that would determine that the alternator of the battery is bad. Got to run, by Den- gotta run, Dennis. Thank you. Good luck, Bob. How can I help you? Oh, yes, we're going to go to break. But Bob and Nick, you stay right there because we'll be right back. Have you ever felt like you were living a life meant for someone else? If you're sick and tired of living a life that feels like a prison sentence and you're willing to entertain the idea that there's more out there for you, then tune in to the Think React Lead Show, Sundays at 1 p.m. Follow keynote speaker, best-selling author, and CEO Dom Falset. Each week, he pushes you past your limiting beliefs for increased success. It's the Think React Lead Show, Sundays at 1 p.m. on 960 The Patriot. Take the Patriot with you wherever you go. The 960 The Patriot mobile app. Your Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and Radio.com. It's your voice of reason 24-7. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I want to be a glass countertop in a new home. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's best birthday present. When I grow up, I want to be a football stadium. When I grow up, I want to be a warm place on a cold day. When I grow up, I want to be a fancy backsplash. I, I want to be a bike that races around the when country. When I grow up, I want to be a bench on a forest when I grow trail. Up, I want to be a rocking chair on when a sunny I up, porch. I want to be a skyscraper. I want to be a... 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 When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me... I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. A public service advertisement brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. 
on the next episode of Recipes for Disaster. So we've got our neighbor Paul coming over tonight for a barbecue, which is why I prepared a delicious lemon rosemary steak marinade from my special collection of old family recipes. To make sure the steaks are extra, extra, extra tender, I left them marinating out on the counter overnight, just like Nana used to. Maria may mean well, but without food safety, it never ends well. Always thaw or marinate foods in the refrigerator at 40 degrees Fahrenheit or below. Or you could make your friends and family really sick. Maria's neighbor Paul didn't think twice about the steak he ate until he was presenting his company's financial forecast to the board. That's when a sudden bout of food poisoning made it explicitly clear that profits weren't the only thing on the rise. Watch Recipes for Disaster at foodsafety.gov. You'll learn the right steps as Maria does everything wrong. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. Hey, parents of children with asthma, here's another hit from the Breathe Easies. Come on and clean up the mold. Clean up the mold. Mold can trigger asthma in kids young and old. Come on and clean up the mold. Clean up the mold in your house. This song may be fun, but childhood asthma is not. Preventing asthma attacks can be as simple as cleaning up the mold and mildew in your house. For more Breathe Easy tips to help stop asthma attacks, go to noattacks.org. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman to save money. We need a new stuntman! You just need feedthepig.org. Don't get left behind. Get tips and tools at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. 44 minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock. My name is Mark Salem. Every Saturday, we're here talking about cars from 10 to noon every Saturday. And if you'd like to send me an email, it's Mark with a K, Mark at MarkSalem.com. Mark at MarkSalem.com. 44 minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock, we're going to get to the calls. But before I do that, let me tell you about Kurtz Auto Repair. Kurtz is at I-17 and Bell Road. Here's the really nifty thing about Kurtz. He's friends with all the people around him. He's friendly. He's good. He's not going to stand on somebody else's shoulder and thump his chest and tell everybody he's the best guy in town. Kurtz is a good guy. And all the neighbors, the parts people around him, they like him. They respect him. Eric is his right-hand person. The two of them are a pair that it's difficult to draw a better pair than those two. So if you live near Bell Road and I-17 on the northeast corners, Kurtz Automotive, and if you don't have a repair shop, I promise, no matter if you have a gas or a diesel, they can handle your problems and you will be fine with how they treat you. That's Kurtz Automotive. Kurtz is with a C. Let's go to the phones. Bob, you're up next. Hi, Mark. Hi. My wife bought a new 2021 Equinox with the 1.5 liter turbo, you know. When, uh-huh. when do you think we should do the first oil change? Um, what oil does it call for? Is it like a five zero W zero W twenty? Oh, um, I think the first. I think it's going to call for ten to twelve thousand mile intervals. But if it were my car, well, first of all, are you mad at her? No. Why? Sounds like you're mad at her. No, I just don't like zero W twenty oil. It seems awfully watery to me. No, 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 no. Here, let me just teach you something real quick. Put your hands together like you're praying for. I know. Uh, forgiveness. Peanut butter. Peanut I don't butter, want to use peanut butter. Peanut butter and water. That's it. <laughs> zero twenty is a fabulous oil. I put it in my diesel. I put zero twenty in my diesel. So, and I mean, I'm pulling big loads. I'm pulling. 
big trailers and bobcats and and you know construction equipment and farm equipment so i think i would probably change the oil and the filter at about the five six thousand mile mark and then i would go with the maintenance reminder on the dashboard i would when it says you're due for an oil change i would do it i think you're going to be in the 10 to twelve thousand mile oil change intervals and chances are that might be once a year for her am i close to being 10 to twelve thousand a year for her well, it goes by the, you know, the oil life monitor, you know, and she had a 2015 Equinox mm-hmm. and then zero. If I let it bump all the way to zero, she was at about 7,000 miles. Okay. But I don't know is. if they've changed the algorithm, you know, I don't no. know. It, 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 it is a good algorithm. It's how often does she temperature, how fast is it going, what's the RPM and all that stuff. I'd go by the oil monitor. And I wouldn't call a tow truck when the oil mile on zero. I wouldn't do that. But, no, the synthetic oil is going to make that motor last a really long time. That is premium oil, no matter what brand it is. So it's just we just know that the lighter weight oil we put in there and the tolerances can handle it just with, and the lubricating, the lubricity ability of the oil to keep the metal from touching one another is ten times better than peanut butter. But anyway, you tell her, I think that she's going to really love that little turbocharging, and you're probably mad because it can probably run r- circles around whatever that you're driving. Well, you still got that Etzel? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> anyway, thank you for letting me tease you, Bob. Good luck to you. Nick, you're up next. How can I help you? Hi, Mark. Hi. Uh, a little bit more in-depth question. I have a 1995 Ford Crown Victoria. LX, um, like a long story short, it was misfiring. I tried the spark plug wires, new spark plugs, uh, eventually compressed and tested the cylinders and found out it was the front driver's side cylinder wasn't having compression and did the old oil test to figure out whether it was a cylinder or a valve. And based on that, I think it's the valve. Uh, I got the wire harness and everything pulled off. Uh, and before I take the head off, I was just wondering if maybe you have an opinion or any experience with that year range of Ford Crown Vic, or if that you would know like what the problem might be with why it might be misfiring or why it has no compression. Well, you're not there yet, but you're almost there. Just take the valve cover off and rock. Take the rockers off. Number one. And and then with a hammer, gently just tap both valves and see if they sound the same. You want them to have the same kind of heavy knock. And you're not trying to open them a mile. You're trying to open them an eighth of an inch or less. So tap both intake and exhaust, and let's listen to it. Let's see if they're seating. Let's see if the spring is broken. And after you've taken the rockers off of that cylinder's rocker assembly, the two valves, then run your compression test and see where you're at. Put your finger over the spark plug because we're not going to have the intake valve open and suck an air in, so it's, you're not going to get 140 or 110 or 100 pounds of compression because we're not cycling the intake and the exhaust valve. But if all of a sudden you can put your finger over it and get your wife to just tap the starter a couple of times and it's blowing your finger clean off the the hole, then maybe you've got a broken valve spring or something. But there's a lot of, of you've got some diagnostic things to go through here 
before you can actually determine what's going to be wrong with it. I wouldn't be yanking the head off that thing. I'd be running all my tests with the head on it. So, okay. I mean, why don't you just back off each one of the uh, the uh, adjustment nuts on the rocker assembly and count until you get slop and then put a half a turn or a turn after after slop on both of them, then put the valve cover back on, then start it up, and then listen to it. And if you got a little cloud, uh, clatter, then a little bit more, a little bit more, and let's adjust the valves first. Another thing is a lot of times we'll put air into the cylinder because we have a broken valve spring, and so we don't have to take the head off to replace the spring. We just air up the cylinder, pull the keeper off, compress the valve, pull the keeper off, replace the spring, put it all back together. So I, I don't... Uh, I, I think you got a lot of more work to do in the diagnostic part long before you pull the head off that Crown Vic. Okay. So I, if I, I am 95% confident that you're going to find the problem the way I described it by, by hit, uh, taking the rockers off and hitting the valve. And another thing, start it up with the rocker off of it. And put your fingers on both of those rocker assemblies, and let's make sure we don't have a flat lobe on the camshaft because one of the rockers will move and the other rocker will barely move. And then you go, oh, well, wait a minute. Maybe I've got a worn lobe on the camshaft, and that's okay. where my malfunction is. So just watch that and, and go from there. And then call me and tell me what you find, so that way I'll know if my guess was as good as anybody else's. Anyway, thanks, Nick. Thank you very much. Car repair is 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 really just a a step by step process. Um, we talked to to um, um, Dennis not too long ago, and, and and he was talking about his battery was dead. That's what happens in in um, in my world is the battery's dead, and all of a sudden we're jumping to the very worst possible scenario that the computer in the car is stuck and it's drawing amperage and causing the battery to die. And as a result of that, then I need to replace the computer that's behind the glove box and the, the kid at the auto parts store who, who was born day before yesterday and has no whiskers told me that I needed to have it reprogrammed. And if I did, I should use a 70, uh, 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 an 87 program for my 85. All of that is horse manure all of that it's a there's a process you wouldn't what would it be like if you went to the doctor and you said i'm having a, a tough time with my right ear um intermittently i don't hear very well out of it and then intermittently i hear really f great but then i have this buzzing noise in there sometimes what would you think if he went over to the computer and he popped up google and he wrote buzzing in the ears <laughs> What, what would you do? <laughs> what would you think? There is a process in car repair. I want to tell you that there's a lot of shops in Phoenix, in the surrounding area. I'm talking from Prescott to Casa Grande, from the Way West Valley to Apache Junction. There's lots of great shops. Here's how you find one in your geographical area. Go to the local parts department and talk to the gray-haired guy on the counter. And look him in the eye and say, you've been here a while? Yeah, I've been here 11 years. Do you know who pays their bills and who doesn't? Yep. Who brings parts back? Otherwise, they order a brand new computer and then they bring it back and tell you that uh, it's bad. Oh, yeah, there's a few of them to do that. 
Um, how about the guy that always buys a computer and never returns it, indicating that more than likely he's doing what you're supposed to do? Yeah, that's John. You know what I mean? So those are the kinds of conversations you should have. We got a caller. Who might that be? That would be Terry. Terry, good morning. Uh, good morning, Mark. Uh, speaking of batteries, uh, back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, we were always told to disconnect the battery from the vehicle ignition before you put a charger on it. And I've been doing that ever since then, uh, except nowadays, of course, uh, with the uh, computers are not on. I mean, if you pull the power away from the computer, guess what? You're starting all over again on your uh, drive cycle. So yeah. I, I have two questions. First of all, have you? is there any place written down or, or is there any um, way to – is it okay to hook a battery charger or a trickle charger up to a battery that's still connected to the ignition system? And that and B is, is there, if you have to re- change out the battery, is there a way to keep the power on the computer so you don't have to go through the dry cycle routine again? Well, you, you, boy, you've you got a lot on my plate, and I don't have a whole lot of time. A drive cycle is a particular set of circumstances that you have to go through to completely wipe away any memory of problems, and that has to do with your emission testing, a drive cycle. Right, but but right, but if I if I disconnect the battery, all that I have to start again when I reconnect the battery. Yeah, so what? It takes the battery power away from so the what? computer. So what? So what? Are you going? So, so is I this got... an emission question or not? No, it's okay. a battery question. All right, then let me answer your question. Forget the emissions. Who cares you're going to put a drive cycle on it? Who cares? I disconnect the battery every once in a while just to give my computer a fresh look at life. It's no big deal. The answer to your question is, is there isn't a car out there I know of that you can't hook a trickle charger up or something that's capable of 10 to 30 amps to the battery system, to the electrical system. There isn't anything out there. When you start when you start the conversation, you're talking about 40s and 60s. We're talking 50 plus years ago. 50 plus years ago. Today is so much more sophisticated. But to, again, the answer to your question is real simple. You can put anything that's been made in the 20th century, from 2000 all the way north of that. You can hook any battery charger you want. Now. A commercial battery charger that would be able of 80 amps is not a good idea, but normally you wouldn't have that in your garage. You've got something that's going to be capable of 10 amps or less. So, yes, any of that will be fine. Folks, what he's talking about the drive cycle is, is it's erasing the computer's memory, historical data. It's driving how much fuel and under what circumstances and what timing and what was the temperature of the air and how much uh, braking was he doing and all this other stuff. Every once in a while, you pull a battery out of a car, you change it, you just erased all the historical data. The computer will rebuild that historical data in a period of four or five days, and you'll never know the difference. The only thing you'll have to do is you'll have to redo this clock in your car. Sometimes you can put a 9-volt battery adapter in the cigarette lighter to keep the memory while you pull the battery out. But I want to tell you, my shop... 20 bays deep. We got lots of people working on cars. There isn't one of us that has that 9-volt battery in our toolbox that we care about maintaining whatever historical parameters in fuel and timing uh, chapters in the computer are keeping track of. It's no different than just shutting off your computer on your desktop. So, so 
don't confuse the 40s, 50s, and 60s with today's because today we don't disconnect batteries um, to charge them. We just charge them where they live and uh, make sure the cables are good and clean. 602, no, mark at marksalem.com is my email. Mark with a K at marksalem, like the cigarette.com. Mark at marksalem.com. If you give me your phone number, a lot of times I have questions and I don't really like to type. So give me your phone number, give me your problem, and I'll call you back. See you next week.